Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. weeks ago at the Colour Conference in Sydney, where thousands of women gathered. Now, I'm talking thousands. There was four conferences with 4,000 each. So all you mathematicians out there equals 16,000 women. That's a lot of women, isn't it? That's a lot of words being spoken. That's a lot of coffee being drunk. That's a lot of toilet time. Believe me, we even take over the men's toilets and there's never enough. But we gathered as a sisterhood and we presented with a challenge. And it's out of that challenge that um, I've brought this message to you today. It's a few thoughts about freedom. And the Colour Conference is an environment where we come together. We come together in this amazing worship where you just get swept along in worship. Even if you've never worshipped before, I think you just get swept up in the beautiful worship. We're inspired by great teaching and by life testimonies that are brought to us. But not only this, we're gathered as a company of women to look beyond our own needs. We're always presented with needs of other people, usually women across the earth. And that usually involves us hearing about their need, us responding with faith-filled prayers, and then efforts to fundraise to help bring the change and be the change over the next 12 months. So this year, Bobby asked us to get our mobile phones out, which was an unusual thing. Usually you're told to put your mobile phones away, put them in your bag. But she asked us all to set our alarms to 12 o'clock, midday. And there's thousands of women, get their phones, on goes the alarm. And that was a reminder to pray because there's situations going on in the Middle East and I won't even go into the horrible situation with um, ISIS have a new theology of rape. That's enough said there, right there and then. And it involved a 12-year-old girl. So she thought, 12 o'clock, 12 years, 12 o'clock, that's a great time to remember what's going on in the world. And it was a call to prayer to stand in the gap for women and girls that are living in a culture where they're not free. They're in captivity by war, by culture, by politics, by customs, and they're just not living free. So us women of the free world were asked to join together and pray. And it's really cool because the alarm goes off every day. And I have loved it. And why I've loved it is because it's a great reminder to pray. She's called it hashtag midday baby midday. And um, wherever we are, the phones are going off. It's quite hilarious. And the good thing is this colour conference goes all over the world, goes to South Africa, London, America, and she'll be launching the same midday baby midday um, across the globe. So it's midday somewhere in the world at any time. So it's cool to think that there's women all over the world stopping whatever they're doing and praying about a great need. So we're in life groups doing our women's thing on a Tuesday. And it's quite funny. All the phones go off, ding, 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 ding. And everybody's got their own alarm going on. And all the girls just stop and go, midday, baby, midday. And it's just this cool language that everybody's using. And we stop and we pray. Now, mine's gone off in the car. It's been off in the shopping centre. Wherever you are, the phone goes off. But the other day, I was visiting some friends of mine who are walking through a few challenges with in life. And I just go and hang out with them and just chat. And my phone goes off. 
And I tried to ignore it, as you do. You know, it's just dingling, dingling away. And she's going, what's that? And I go, oh, it's just my phone. She said, you better get it. And I said, oh, no, it's my alarm. She said, what do you got your alarm on for? Yeah, and I did. I did. <laughs> it's midday, baby. And she goes, what? And I went and turned it off. And I said, let me explain. It's my call to prayer. And guess what she said? She says, oh, have you turned into a Muslim now? <laughs> I'm like, no, I haven't. Because she knows I'm a Christian and she loves that part of my life. But I said, no, this is what it's all about. This is the conference we go to and this is what we're praying about. And she said, oh, I love that. She loved it. She just really loved that we were stepping in the gap and just thinking about other people. So it's just that little bit step closer to someone who might just lean in to what God's doing. So there you go. So I'm, the challenge is to you today, I reckon we should all set our alarms. Now, it doesn't have to be midday, baby, <laughs> especially you blokes. I know you don't do that cute girl thing. But listen, it's really good because that, that alarm goes off and I go, oh, I've got to pray. So I do stop whenever I can and put those women up. But then it gets me going in prayer and then I just get started and I'll be praying about this and praying about that. So I challenge you all, you don't have to get them out right now, but if you want to, you can, as long as you put them away again. Okay, no playing games, you people, you young young ones. Um, But do that. Use it as a reminder to pray because you know what? Life gets busy and we can have good intentions and we can go through a day and not even think about God for a moment. So to have an alarm that goes off, bing, ding, ding, okay, time to pray. Okay, let me go on. Isaiah 61, 1, we read part of a prophecy and it says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Now this passage of scripture was also said by Jesus in Luke 4, 16 to 19, in his very first sermon in his hometown. And he said that these, this day, these words were fulfilled. Jesus came so we can live in freedom. So let's just pray before I start. Father God, Jesus, I thank you that you did come and you gave your life for us so that we could live in freedom. And I pray for each one of us here, Lord, that we would be leaning in, our hearts would be open and our ears open to what your voice, Holy Spirit, what you would want to say to us today about um, getting us all free so that we can be everything we can be for you and in you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So last week was Easter and we meditated on the cross, which was Jesus' incredible sacrifice, his life for our sin. Death was defeated and then we celebrate the hope and we live in the freedom and abundant life we have in him. But do we really? This is the question mark I want you to be thinking about today. The word of God tells us in John 8, you've probably all heard these scriptures, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 8.32. And then in John 8.36 it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So this got me thinking about what captivity looks like for the average Australian person. Okay, we're not living in a war-torn country like Syria and the Middle East. We're not under a dictatorship, although that could be questionable, I suppose. Some people with their political beliefs might think differently, but we're not. We live in a free society. We're not locked up in prison. 
we're pretty free to do whatever we want in this country. Our standard of living is very high and we live a blessed life. And even our national anthem has the words free in it. Now there's a test. Ready? We're all going to sing together. We're going to sing the first two voices, two, two lines of the national anthem. Okay? And it goes, ready? Um, how's it start? Come on. Australia. Okay, you can stop right there. So when we sing the national anthem, we're proclaiming that we are free. Some of us are younger than others, and, um, but we are free. But do we live as free people? That's my question today. And I want you to be thinking this morning about freedom and what that looks like. Captivity for you and I might, amongst other things, look like being trapped in our faulty thinking patterns or our belief system that might come about from words that have been spoken over you a long time ago by family or from your past life experiences. It could be insecurity, not feeling secure in who you are in God. It could be fear, keeping you trapped from moving forward and enlarging your life in God. Fear of failure, no belief in yourself. Unforgiveness can keep you trapped and in captivity, going round round in circles. Sin will keep you locked up and keep you small if you don't confess it. And shame from a secret past. All these things can keep us trapped. And I love the, another word for captivity is bondage. And I love this description of bondage. When the good news of the gospel doesn't penetrate into your damaged inner self. That's good, isn't it? When the good news of the gospel doesn't penetrate into your damaged inner self. Okay, I would have loved to have brought an iceberg on stage. I thought about it. thought, oh, how would I do that? But the best I could do was a picture. Now, that iceberg up there is huge. The 10% of an iceberg, that little white bit we see, is only a tiny little bit. 10% of what the actual iceberg is. 90% is underneath the water. Just talk to the captain of the Titanic. He's not around anymore, but that's exactly what they had. They did not see the hugeness of the iceberg that was under the water when they hit it. And that is a good demonstration of what our life can be like. 10% is visible for everyone else to see, but 90% is inside and nobody actually sees what goes on. And that, I think, is the part of us that can be very broken and is in need of healing. So when we're not living free, you can usually tell by the behaviours that creep into our life. Things like people-pleasing, always wanting to please everybody, or perfectionism, making sure everything's done exactly right. Sometimes we can be super sensitive or very, very defensive all the time. We can be fearful, anxious, controlling, not coping unless we've got everything under our control. Reactive, this is a good one. When you, our response is way out of proportion to the stimulus, we're trapped by what's going on inside us. So that means, say something happens in life and it's just little, but your response is like, kaboom, like that fire last night, kaboom. It's like, whoa, what was that response? That's a response that's out of proportion to maybe what's going on. Little indicators that maybe things aren't going right inside. Striving can be constantly striving and pushing in life and resentment. All little indicators that indicate that there's healing needed to bring us a place of wholeness. 
Sometimes I think we get head knowledge of grace, but it doesn't actually penetrate into our heart and then it's not outworked. It sounds good, undeserved favour, beautiful, but do we really get it? Do we really get it and do we really let it get into our innermost parts and live out of that place? If we fail to receive God's love and forgiveness, then we often fail to give it to others. It's worth thinking about right there. We can become debt collectors and grievance collectors trying to get what we feel is owed to us from others. But we also have an enemy to our soul, the devil, who will do what he can to keep you from getting free in Jesus. Because in, when you get free in Jesus, you begin that path to your destiny. And he doesn't want you to get on that path. His tactics never change, though. He'll use distractions, disappointments, discouragement and disillusion from people, your church, your past, your present, anything to slow you down or trip you up. But we've got to never forget that the enemy has been defeated. Of course he has. Jesus has won the victory for us at the cross so that we can be free. And it's our job to keep our spiritual armour on and stand strong. So this year, as we declare and live out our church vision to enlarge our capacity and impact for God, well, of course, the enemy's a bit stirred up. And he's going to have a go, I reckon, to see if we really mean it. And this happened to me only a few weeks ago before colour. So Greg puts the vision out there. Oh, you beauty, enlarge, love it, get behind it. Get all my paperwork done, get the ladies together. We had a great vision launch. First time we've actually done a vision launch at night for the women. We gathered the women, we set our sights on some wonderful projects for the year and gathering together. was feeling really good about it. Oh, a couple of days later, I was a wreck. I was ready to resign. I don't know what happened. I was whinging and crying to God and I thought it was this and that and the other. And just in hindsight, I've been thinking, I felt like Elijah. Elijah had that huge battle with the prophets of Baal. He had that huge success. And next minute, he runs away and hides under a tree. And God says, what are you doing there? And he says, oh, I'm scared of Jezebel. Well, I think now I look back, I didn't know it was at the time. I thought, oh, you know, I'm just a bit tired and I need a holiday. And, and that's probably true too. I hadn't taken my vitamins. Yep, that was probably true. But do you know what? It, well, I think it was the enemy having a go. Because when you often get a success in your life, a spiritual success, get ready because you'll get a whack. And that's what happened. So um, I was feeling de- very disillusioned and doubting wasn't I, Greg? Doubting. Oh, pathetic. I can't do anything. I can never get on that stage again and all this rubbish. Um, but it's real because it does affect you. I was almost depressed in a way. I was like, what is this? So we had a good talking about it's good. I got to talk to Greg about it. But then I got aside and I just thought, right, got my brave on and had a bit of a um, battle and told the enemy to rack off basically Get out of my life. You're not having any power over me. And uh, I honestly, something broke because I wasn't the same. I just suddenly be able to come out of it. So it's good to be aware. Very, very good to be aware. Um, Bobby Houston says, you've got to get your prayer on. Doesn't she, girls? So you've got to get my prayer on, stand strong. And that's where Ephesians 6 is really good. You need to know this um, scripture if you don't know it. I haven't got it on the screen, but I'm going to read you a little bit in the message version. It's Ephesians 6 
and I'm reading to you from 13 to 18. It says this, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. That's great. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. How good is that? That's the armour of God in the message version. We need to be vigilant, not fearful or weird about the enemy. But we're the victors, remember, and we need to walk in this freedom and victory that Jesus has won for us. So some keys to release. Let's have a little look at this. Firstly, I think you need to recognise that you're not living in freedom. See it for what it is, bondage. We sing a song here in church, the chorus goes, Chains be broken, lives be healed, eyes be opened, Christ is revealed. That too should be the cry of our heart here today, that our eyes are opened by the Holy Spirit to maybe what is holding you back, keeping you small in God. Because when we enlarge in God, you're enlarging your legacy, whether it be your marriage, your family, your children's lives, you're impacting all those people around you. So the bigger you get in God, the bigger they get in God. So what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Do you want to leave one of healthy relationships? Or do you want to continue to see the cycle of dysfunction or bondage that might be part of your family? Jesus came so not only we can be free, so we can set others free as well. So firstly, recognise that you're not living as free as you should be. Prayer is the second thing. When you've recognised that there's areas of your life that need healing, then getting on your knees before God is a great starting place. Humbling yourself and surrendering, recognising that you can't do it on your own. Just like that passage of scripture there that Paul said, you can't do it on your own, it's where it begins. It's when we think we can do everything on our own and we don't need anybody's help, we're strong, then you're in trouble because God can't crack that hardness in us. It's when you're soft and humble and go, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. That's the great starting point. And I've realised there's different types of prayer needed for freedom from captivity. The, the, the prayers we talked about in the midday baby, midday, they're the warrior prayers. And they you where you rise up on the inside. And I'm finding as I'm maturing in God, I'm getting my warrior on. I've got my boots on today. I was going to put high heels on. And I thought, you know what? I'm not wearing high heels. I've got my boots on because I can stand strong. I'm really passionate about rising up in prayer. And I never knew how to do it. I was pretty wussy in the early days. Well, I didn't know. I was just learning. But I feel like God's maturing me enough to know the difference when to stand in prayer and get your warrior on and intercede. And that's what Bobby Houston is trying to do through the sisterhood, is to pull us out of our world where things are pretty cushy and you don't have to think about much, but get out there and get on the battlefield. Your life might be cruisy, but others aren't. So it's like get that warrior on and stand in the gap for people. Now, whether it's for people that you don't even know, like these women in 
Syria. We've never seen them and we probably never will. But is it for your family? Is it for your marriage? You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Just get that prayer going and stand strong in God for those that maybe can't do it for themselves. When you get that medical diagnosis, you go to the doctors thinking you just got, I don't know, a little lump or whatever on your arm. And you get a diagnosis that says it's not a lump, you've got melanoma, you've got cancer. That's when you need to get your warrior prayer going and you need to ring your friends and tell them to get their their prayer going too because that's what you need to do. Stand strong. And some of you have been through this. Um, You just don't go, oh, God, please help me. You know, that's a good start. But you know what? It's like, no, I really need you, God. Please, please help. And that's when you need to get your warrior prayer going. Sometimes your spirit doesn't even know what to pray. But it groans and God hears. And there's a great scripture in Romans 8, 26 that says this. In the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Sometimes you can be in so much pain, you can't even pray. You just groan it out. But God hears your heart. He sees you. He sees. Praying in the language of the Holy Spirit in tongues brings power to your prayer. Try it if you haven't already. You've been given a prayer language to bring power into your prayers. As just praying scripture over and into your situation. See, these are all just things you can do when you're battling against something. It's good to pray, but sometimes you just feel stuck. You go to the Bible and you find out what the Word says about your situation. And you start praying those scriptures into your situation. But if you don't know what they are, how can you do that? So can I encourage you? Do you know what the Word of God says about you and what He says about your situation? That's what concordances are for. Google, do whatever you need to do. About your situation, anxiety, if you're anxious, look up all the scriptures on anxiety. Start praying them into your situation. That's how we get free. Okay? We don't let it keep holding us. We learn to break free of that. And we begin to hear the voice of God rather than other voices and influences that can affect you in life. Okay? So we've got, let's be aware that maybe we're not living in freedom. Secondly, Let's get into prayer, into good solid prayer about that thing. And the third thing I want to talk to you about is a big one called emotional healing. So praying and reading scripture are wonderful and it's the first thing we should always do when we've got a problem in life. And it should be our first response. But they may not always get to the root issue. You might pray your little head off days and days, weeks, months, still things aren't changing there sometimes is a root issue, something in your life that is keeping you captive. The way we see and feel about ourselves can affect and hinder our relationship with God and others. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. We all have mental pictures and feelings. There we go, the mirrors. We have feelings about ourselves that are formed in the early years. And the concepts of how we feel loved and we come up with I belong or whether we feel valued, we get this concept of I matter. And if we feel competent, we get things like I can do this. These are things that are formed in our early, early years. And how we see ourselves is not how others often see us. So I found these mirrors. How many of you have ever been to amusement parks? I remember Luna Park used to have these mirrors 
And um, they're crazy because they're curved and all these shapes. And you stand in front of them and you see your reflection back, but they're really weird. You've got a really long head. I know a lot of phones do it nowadays as well. But it's not a true reflection. This woman over here, she's looking at herself in the mirror, but the reflection coming back is short, fatter. It's not what, it, not what she looks like. It's just a little good demonstration of sometimes we need a new mirror. Because Jesus sees the real you. And loves and accepts you just as you are. We've all grown up in different families, different circumstances, and were raised by parents who were doing their very best. But they were also imperfect. And no doubt, they needed healing themselves. I know that as a parent nowadays, especially now kids have got older. You just get in and you parent, you just do what you can with your kids. But now I've realised you do a lot, sometimes you do that from a place of brokenness that you're not even aware of. And that sometimes gets transferred through to your children. Um, But what I'm going to say is you can't go through life blaming other people for your mistakes. Not so much your mistakes, we're responsible for those. But things in you that maybe you don't like or you go, oh, well, if my parents had done this and things had been different, yeah, well, that wasn't the way. People do their very best. Most parents love their children and want their very best for them. So there's a time comes when I think we need to take responsibility for our own journey and towards wholeness and freedom. And when you're saved and come to know Christ, your spirit comes alive and the journey is just the beginning. And Paul, in his wisdom, says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. So what happens is when we become saved, we meet Christ. Our spirit comes alive. It lines up with his. However, we are made up of a soul as well, as well as a body. And our soul consists of our mind, our emotions and our will. And that has some catching up to do. Christine Kane at conference actually was talking about a very similar thing. And she said this, maybe you blokes might like what the girls did. She said, if you've got cellulite before you were saved, when you came down to the altar, you're still going to have cellulite when you come back from the altar. And the, what she's saying is that, look, there might be some kinds of radical salvations and people can be set free from addictions and things. I understand like that. But usually our spirit is wanting connection to God and it cries out to God and is connected to God. But then our mind and our heart and our emotions are still the same and they have to be then healed and do a journey in being made more like Jesus. And there's a word called sanctification. And it actually means the state of proper functioning. So what happens is when you get to know Christ, that's just the beginning. The journey is then sanctification, a long journey where Jesus tries to work with us and the Holy Spirit works with us to try to get us to a place where we are more complete, more like him in every way. And that's a bit tough. Because he's got a plan and a purpose for each of us. And until he gets us to that place of freedom and health, I don't think he can always use us where he needs us to be. So if you want to really reach that destiny in God, I suggest you jump on that journey and get, um, get healing when you can. So healing begins. What is this healing all about? It begins when you acknowledge the emotions that are behind your pain or behaviour. Okay, And you don't deny them. 
Some of us have got anger issues, so you're always getting angry, and you just say, well, I'm just an angry person. Well, maybe you are. Um, I used to be terribly an angry person, but sometimes it's time to look at why you're so angry all the time, okay, and not just put it off as an excuse. Maybe fearful. Remember, we're looking at things that are keeping you trapped. Um, fear can keep you trapped. Why are you so fearful? Shame and guilt, all those things will rule over us if we don't start to look at them. And we have to be real with ourselves. There's no point pretending. Okay, There's no point going around in life pretending you're some superhero, and you're all good and nothing affects you. Well, that's not, I don't think that's being real. I think we need to be real and go, yep. I'm really sad or I'm really fearful or I've got an anger problem and look, start looking within. And we're all wired differently. Sometimes for me, we're only having this discussion the other night um, with a group we were doing. I'm not very good at knowing what I feel like. I reckon if I are, I won't put, get, get you to put your hands up because it might be embarrassing, but I'm not embarrassed at all to say that sometimes I never even think about what I feel like. And then I, I have other friends that are so beautiful and they can express so wonderfully oh, I feel like this, and I could write an essay about how they feel and all this, depending on who we are, our personality. So I kind of envy those people. But then I don't get bogged down too much because, oh, I don't really know. But that, I've realised, has helped me not deal with a lot of stuff because I just skip on merrily. Oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, I've never really stopped to think about it, am I really? So see the different personalities, you, you know, affect the way you, you do life. Um, but there's usually a trigger while you uh, there's re- there's a reason usually why you're feeling like you are, and it might not be what you think, because what happens is life events can trigger an unhealed memory in your past that is holding you captive to pain. So the instance you might be having a bit of a moment or incident or squabble or whatever disagreement with someone or whatever, and you get this. Esp- response, this emotional response that is kind of a bit out of control, be it anger or fear or response. What that's doing, it's not about the situation right here. It's triggering something in here that is not healed, that is unhealthy in you. Um, And you might not even recognize it, but I think those around you probably do. If you talk to your spouse or your close friends about it, sometimes they can see things that we can't see ourselves. I think we have blind spots sometimes. So if you've got someone in your world that you trust, it might be a good time to actually talk to them about some of your reactions in life. Um, As Christians, we have God in three persons to help us. We have God the Father. We have his unconditional accepting love of us. We have God the Son, Jesus, our wounded healer identifying with us in our pain. If you think you were wronged or hard done by then, Jesus can certainly identify with you because he knows what that feels like. We also have God the Holy Spirit, our, what they call paraclete, which means one who comes alongside as our helper and counsellor, lifting us and loving us. So we're not alone. We can be healed from these painful memories if we have the courage to look within. And that's all I'm really trying to do today is to stir up your courage to maybe look within if you haven't done that before. So once we've, um, first thing is acknowledging those emotions that they're not quite maybe what they should be. Then we need to confront them. 
And usually the memory we have contains a lie that we've believed about ourselves. But what's happened is that lie has become truth to us and it is now our truth. And just like that amusement park mirror, the lie distorts how we see and perceive life from that point on. It can be subconscious, so you're not even aware that it's happening. But remember John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the Holy Spirit can reveal truth to your situation. And what happens is he changes the filter or how you see things, how you perceive things. If we're talking in the mirror terms, he gets the mirror right. So when you see things, you're seeing it the way he wants you to see it, not through the distortions of maybe life has brought you or whatever. It's kind of, I know it's a bit out there and it's a bit weird. You're probably thinking, what on earth is she going on about? But honestly, there's a lot of truth in this and it really is um, something that I think God really wants us to look at. Um, So once we've done that and realised, yep, maybe there's something in there that's not truth, we need to resolve it because there's no point just leaving it the way it is. We've got to actually look at it and, okay, what do we do with this? So this is confession to God because sometimes in there, look, and I'm, I'll tell you, I, I know about this stuff because I've actually been through it myself. I went many years ago, I was having all these strange emotions and reactions when I was parenting our children in, when they were in their early teenage years. And I thought, this is weird. I'm fearful and I was parenting out of fear and all this stuff. And I had to actually go and get some help about it because I thought, this is, I'm being irrational. What is going on up here? So I went to see someone that was trained in all this stuff and um, she helped me unlock stuff in me that um, it wasn't about my 16-year-old child. It was about me, the 16-year-old. And um, it was like a mirror. Your children can be like a mirror to you their behaviour and stuff and what was happening there was it wasn't even bad behaviour it was just something that was going on it wasn't about that it triggered it was a trigger that something inside me was going what's all this about um so she helped me process that and we uncovered a lie and then um I was wasn't didn't have to parent out of fear anymore so I know it works and I know I was healed because I, I parented from a whole healthier place. Um, so that's why I, was, I suppose I'm so passionate about helping you maybe to unlock some stuff. And I'm going to be all over the place because I didn't really need to go there. But, um, but the tough part comes, oh, the confession. Um, that's right. So I had to do a bit of a confession thing to God for believing that. And it wasn't the truth at all. It was just what I had believed about myself at the time. And I had to get rid of that lie. And um, then there's usually forgiveness. And sometimes you have to forgive yourself. Sometimes you have to forgive God. If you're angry with God, maybe something's happened in your life where you don't even realise, but you've been hanging on to a resentment to God. Maybe you need to let that go. Maybe there's a person that's harmed you or said something. It's not even about sometimes. We often think this stuff is all about, oh, I've never been abused or anything like that. It's not even about that. It can be stupid little things that are said to you in life that just stick like glue. And um, another time I went, once I was taught how to do this, I actually started doing a little bit myself and got stuck another time. I did this one myself and I asked the Holy Spirit to show me what was going on. It was just a stupid thing that was said to me. Many, many years as a child, it was just playing, but somehow it stuck in my little psyche, psyche, and then became this filter 
and then I just had to get rid of it. And again, God showed me how to do that, and I'm free of it. I don't, I don't suffer with that anymore. So there's forgiveness that often needs to happen, and that, I think, is probably the toughest thing. But you've got to let go of every desire for revenge and being vindictive toward any person that has hurt you. Because if you don't, you're going to remain in bondage for the rest of your life. You'll stay trapped. That person won't, but you will stay trapped. So it doesn't change the fact that it happened to you if it was something awful, and it doesn't make it okay. It's for your own benefit and your own wholeness to move forward into freedom. And then what happens is when you can break through that point of, yes, that was it, letting it go, God comes in. The Holy Spirit comes in and he whispers his love. He gives you the truth, what he thinks about you. Or he'll whisper a scripture that will wash over you. And then the light of Christ begins to shine in the darkness and brings peace and hope. Now, the process isn't easy. I'd love to say, oh, it's really easy. You can do it. It can be painful and it can involve tears, which can be healing in themselves because as you sometimes cry, it washes away the pain and the stains of your life. But can I tell you, it is so worth it. It is so worth it to get rid of the pain that's keeping you trapped right now. So it's a choice. Do you go through a little bit of pain here with somebody to help you process or do you stay stuck in the pain here and maybe never get out of it? So I think you'll know. I think you'll know when you've had enough of the pain and you can, um, yes, I've talked about that one. Um, you can do the healing yourself. As I said, once I learned a little bit how to, th- how to do this, you can just sit in your quiet time with God. You can journal your thoughts and feelings and just open up your heart to him. But sometimes you do need help and we can help you refer you to someone if you feel like you are stuck and you need some help. But there's no shame Please don't think there's any shame in any asking for help, whether it be in your marriage, your personal life. It's great. If you come to us and say, oh, I need help, we'll say, praise God. Fantastic. You're on the road to freedom. You're on the way to finding yourself larger in God. And the great thing is when you get healed, you can share your story with others and help them on their way to freedom. So you might, not, you might be thinking, oh, I've had no real major life issues and, or I've dealt with a lot in life which is fantastic. But this, just this last little bit, I just think each day there's some things we can do that help us stay free, okay? And that's freedom in our thoughts. Means we can actually think on purpose and take control of our thoughts and not think about every little thing that comes into your mind, okay? We have control of our thoughts. And Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 10.5, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Joyce Meyer says this, and I agree with her, that the battlefield, the mind is the greatest battlefield. And we can lose that battle if we don't know how to capture the thoughts that lead us down those critical or negative pathways. Okay? So you've got to think about what you're thinking about almost. I know it sounds a bit crazy, but it's true. Just just this next week, do me a favour. Be conscious of what you're thinking about and find yourself. Stop yourself. If you find yourself thinking wrong thoughts, negative thoughts, whatever, stop them and then replace them with some um, thoughts that God would like you to think about. Get some scriptures and get those into your mind. Okay? Um, Let's not be slaves to our thinking. Another thing the Word of God tells us 
in our heart, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So not only our thinking, we need to be um, thinking about what we meditate on and what our motivation is. Constantly coming to God in our daily walk, keeping short accounts, not quenching the Holy Spirit because that's where he resides in our heart, being conscious of what's going on, our responses. Take time. I know life's busy, but there's always time to sit and examine your heart in front of God, confessing your mistakes, asking forgiveness, seeking his wisdom. So thoughts, heart and mouth. Our mouth can be a problem if we do not learn to tame our tongue. Our thoughts and meditations quickly become words that once are out of our mouth they cannot be retrieved and again guilty as charged oh wish I didn't have to get up there and confess all this stuff to you but my mouth oh my gosh I got saved but my mouth didn't (laughs) it's taken time it's taken time our mouth can be a big problem man look up the tongue in the bible there is so much to be said proverbs is full of verses James chapter 3 almost has a whole chapter on your tongue and the power of your tongue and the damage your tongue will do if you don't learn to control it. See, you can be kept captive. See, this is captivity. When you let your tongue and your thoughts drive you, they're, not, you're not, they're in the driver's seat. God's not in the driver's seat. So um, my mouth is often into gear before my brain, which can cause problems. Because not much thought goes into what I'm going to say. Unlike my wonderful husband. I respect him in this so much because he has a lovely thoughtful process. He thinks about everything before he speaks. I suppose most of you probably out there do too. I'm probably the only one that just like, bring that in. But you can't bring it back in. So I have to constantly be giving my mouth up to God for his use, to be his mouthpiece. Um, Sometimes it's out of insecurity and defensiveness. I think that we've always got that answer. Someone says something to you, but, 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 you're trying to get your, your defensiveness in there. Just another little sign that you might need some help. Um, don't become a prisoner to your mouth and surrender it daily to God. And this year, these, this scripture, I hope it's up there, may the words, can I have the next one? This is my daily prayer, and I mean daily. I do this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I've also added a lot, another bit. I don't know if you're now allowed to add bits to scripture. Um, but I add the thoughts of my mind as well. Oh, it's time up already. Okay, I have to show a little video. Don't, don't, can you not play just for two seconds? Um, Okay, so I am wrapping it up, but I do want to show you just a quick little video from Colour to sort of help us rise up. Um, so what do you, your beliefs about yourself really do drive us because our beliefs become thoughts, thoughts become words, words become actions, actions become habits, habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. I would have loved to have said that, but Mahatma Gandhi beat me to it. That's a great, that's a great quote. So what are your beliefs about yourself? Do you really believe that God could love you? That he could really forgive you? And that he does have a plan and purpose for your life? Because I believe he does and he has a plan for all of us and he wants to see us healed and whole and set free from captivity. 
He's our wounded healer and he's ready to set us free as well. So I just want something to rise up in your spirit today. I hope something I have said today that God has said through me that has stirred you to make a change in your life. One step is all it takes to get into freedom. So I just um, would love us to stand and pray. And I don't want you to walk out of the door and think, oh, yeah, that was, that was okay or that was bad or good, whatever. I want you to go out with something resonating in your spirit, whether it's to set your alarm and pray for your family or pray for something, whether it's to maybe just take some time out with God and think about your reactions and how your emotional life is doing and maybe there is something that maybe you need to give to God in that process, whether it's your thinking patterns, those thoughts you're thinking aren't lining up with God, maybe your mouth's out of control, maybe the meditations of your heart aren't pleasing to God. Whatever it is, just take one step today to do something different so God can enlarge you and that we as a church can be enlarged. So Father God, here we are. God, we do want to stand strong in you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us rise up on the inside, that our spirits would just be stronger in you, Lord God, that we would fight for freedom, freedom to be who you've created us to be. I know, God, there's people here with hurts of all kinds, Lord God, but I know, Holy Spirit, you are our healer and you will come alongside them in the days to come and bring them to wholeness and health, Lord God, so that each one of us can be strong in you and we can reach our destiny and make a difference on this earth, Lord God. And we do lift up those ones that can't pray for themselves, Lord, those women and families and people caught in cultures and persecution as Christians across the earth that aren't living in freedom, people that are being trafficked, all those ones, Lord, we hold them up to you. And we pray for release for the captives, Lord God, that you would send people into their world that would help release them, Lord God, from the captivity and the bondage they're in. And for people here today, Lord, that are trapped in some kind of bondage that is keeping them too, Lord, I pray that you would help them, Lord God, in getting free. Because Jesus, you came that we could be set free. And the word says, when the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So God, that is the cry of our hearts. Set us free, Lord, in your precious name. And just before we finish, the first step in any relationship to God is admitting that you need a saviour. And so I would ask, as all eyes are closed, is there anyone here today that's never made that decision to take a step toward God and make a difference in their life? To realise that there's a, he's a wounded healer and he can associate and identify with your pain and he loves you anyway and wants to see you helped and free. So is there anyone today that would love to make a decision to reach out to Jesus for the very first time? No, that's okay. That's all good. Thank you, Lord, that you love each one of us and we are all secure in you, Lord God. We have a destiny secured in eternity. And we love you and thank you so much for this church and what you're doing in us and through us in not only our community but across the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone said, Amen. There we go. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.